Welcome to That You May Grow Thereby, a work of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. We are located at 18 Scott Drive in Florence, Kentucky. Our phone number is 859-371-2095. You can also visit us at www.nkcofc.com. And now, that you may grow thereby. Thank you for listening to That You May Grow Thereby. My name is Greg Littmer, and I am one of the elders of the Northern Kentucky Church of Christ. There is a passage found in the book of Amos that I want to look at today. I will tell you that I'm going to take it out of context. Contextually, it is referring to the impending judgment against the northern kingdom of Israel. But I believe that there is a most important lesson that we can learn from it that is applicable for the world today. The passage is found in Amos chapter 8, verses 11 and 12. The passage says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. My friends, one day a week, my wife and I go to the grocery store to buy the food for our family for the next seven days. The modern American supermarket is really a wonder to behold. There are aisles upon aisles, one right after the other, abundantly laden with foods of all different kinds. There are also several aisles consisting of huge freezers, most filled with items that you can just pop in the microwave and have a complete meal in a matter of minutes. And an even more amazing thing is that most of the items are within the price range of just about anybody. The result is that the average American family, if they shop wisely, can sit down every night to a sumptuous, well-balanced dinner that would be the envy of many living in other countries. But all the while, my friends, there is a terrible famine that is stalking our land. It is spreading like a cancer and growing worse and worse. Just like Amos stated in the days gone by, it is not a famine for bread, nor is it a thirst for water. It is a famine of much more serious consequences than that. It is a famine of spiritual food for the soul, and our nation is starving. Famines in history have always been associated with terrible results. Pestilences and diseases have followed consistently in the path of tragic famines. The bodies of the dead have corrupted the land. Yet none of these things compare to the tragic results of a spiritual famine, for there it is the soul of man that is starved, and most don't even know it. Pathetically, we have multitudes of parents who lavish attention on the cares of the bodies of their children, yet ignore the spiritual hunger of the soul. A balanced diet is appetizingly arranged on the plate, 
but the word of God is withheld from the soul. The body is carefully attired in expensive clothing, while that which is spiritual is utterly neglected. Still and so tragically, they are not haunted by the words, For what shall it profit a man, if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? That we find in Mark chapter 8 verses 36 and 37. My friends, no specter of doom hovers more ominously over this nation of ours than the fact that so many people know so little about God's word. There are all kinds of programs, government and otherwise, to fight illiteracy in our land, and it is a real problem. But what about Bible illiteracy? In every segment of our society, more and more ignorance of God's word abounds. Oh, we have discovered an awful lot and lost God. We have devised pleasure and sports. We can fill theaters, auditoriums, and stadiums. But we have forgotten to take spiritual food and are ignorantly starving to death. It is not the least bit unusual to find folks admitting, I just don't know anything about the Bible, and yet doing absolutely nothing to remedy the appalling and disastrous situation. Our nation's epitaph may very well read from Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, For my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because of the lack of Bible knowledge, our nation is blissfully unaware of all that this portends. The psalmist stated in Psalm 9 and verse 17, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Spiritual ignorance is not only inexcusable, it is certain damnation. Jesus could very well have been painting the spiritual famine of our day when he said in Matthew chapter 13 and verse 15, For this people's heart is waxed gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed, lest at any time they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and should understand with their heart, and should be converted, and I should heal them. Jesus plainly set forth that one must hear the word of God, and understand it to be converted. But there is no possibility of this when people have hardened their hearts, and will not hear the word of God. The Bible as God's word was once generally accepted in reverence. But in our day and time, faith in God and reliance upon his word is openly derided by skeptics, infidels, and others in positions of influence and persuasion. This condition developed because of a spiritual famine in our land. And let me tell you something, my friends. The theology being pumped out of the denominational seminaries, along with secularism, have crucified the Son of God afresh and have put him to an open shame. And it's not getting better, it is getting worse. A major cause of this spiritual famine is due simply to a lack of spiritual appetite. So many people today, not only in the United States, but speaking of those countries about which I know personally, or through those who have been there, people just don't want to hear anything that is contrary to the grain of their self-righteousness or their carnal desires.
My friends, if you could have seen the billboards and TV stations that existed in the various countries of Europe that Vicky and I visited about 15 to 20 years ago, I hope you would have been shocked, and I doubt that it has gotten any better. I'm afraid that people want just enough God to soothe their conscience, but even that much, they want tempered to their desires and wants rather than to their needs. Truly, Isaiah, the great messianic prophet, could have been writing about our time and world when he wrote in Isaiah chapter 30, verses 8 through 11, Now go, write it before them in a table, and write it in a book, that it may be for the time to come forever and ever, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, but which say to the seers, See not, and to the prophets, Prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits, get you out of the way, turn aside out of the path, cause the Holy One of Israel to cease from before us. In other words, don't tell me what I need to hear because I won't hear it. Don't tell me what I need to do because I won't do it. Don't speak to me of the hard things of the Word of God because I am not interested. Tell me smooth things that will soothe my hardened conscience and make me feel like I'm all right just the way I am. Don't ask me to repent or change because that's simply too hard. This is the attitude prevalent in our land of spiritual famine. My friends, let's all ask ourselves a question that I have asked us to consider before, and that is simply this. Is our society better now morally than it was, oh, let's say, 40 years ago, 25 years ago? 15 years, 10 years ago, or five years ago, or for that matter, even one year ago. Just think of the churches around here that have grown up over the past several years. Is even this area better now from a moral standpoint, now that there are so many churches with buildings that have been turned into entertainment complexes with gyms and bowling alleys and running tracks and weight rooms and racquetball courts and one that even has a theater that the so-called pastor said was suitable for the production of a Broadway-style musical. Is it better now that the religious world in general, and I'm including right here in northern Kentucky where this podcast is originating from, has decided to give the people what they want with Saturday night services usurping gathering together on the Lord's Day, contemporary services complete with entire bands or orchestras, and such things as come-as-you-are advertisements. Are all of these things better than simply believing and adhering to what God's Word says? Have they made our world a better moral place in which to live? Let's all ask ourselves these questions. Is it better now that the denominational seminaries are turning out supposed religious leaders who deny the inspiration of the scriptures, deny the miracles detailed therein, deny the virgin birth and the resurrection. Look with me at Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 and 21. Isaiah wrote, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, 
that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. My friends, Jeremiah said, from the prophet even to the priest, everyone deals falsely. They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. That was Jeremiah chapter 6, verses 13 and 14. Just look around us. Is our land morally better now after a steady diet of this kind of sectarian, manby-pamby preaching from the pulpits of the major denominations? Is it better when preachers are crying out, peace, peace, when there really is no peace? And to arrive at such a convoluted conclusion, they go about calling sin good? Lest we think that this is confined to the denominational world, there are pulpits in churches of Christ that I am not permitted into any longer because I refuse to cry out, peace, peace, when there is no peace. I had a gospel preacher tell me not to use the word sin when speaking to non-Christians. There are churches where a preacher is not permitted to preach on marriage and divorce, social drinking, dancing, modest apparel, and so on. My friends, there is one common enemy that attack all, and it is the most dangerous enemy that there is, sin. There is only one defense against it, the Word of God, without subtractions or additions. It must be forcibly, plainly, and simply preached so that everyone can understand and no one leave wondering what in the world was that guy talking about. A faithful preacher cannot afford to court the favor of the people. He cannot afford to tickle ears with comforting words of deceit. Any watered-down gospel or compromised religion brings disaster to the preacher and to those who do not search for themselves but simply believe what they have been told. Unto all God still declares, He that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. I remember reading an interview with a very well-known preacher in Louisville, Kentucky. He said that while he personally believed that abortion was wrong, it was not a subject that he would address as sinful lest some would no longer attend his megachurch. Well, is it sinful or not? When it comes to sin, there is no room for compromise. The worst spiritual famine results when the preacher fails in his duty. Consider with me Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 30-31. through 31. It says, A wonderful and horrible thing is committed in the land. The prophets prophesy falsely, and the priests bear rule by their means. And my people love to have it so. And what will ye do in the end thereof? This is the condition that is present when people have no appetite for spiritual food. Oftentimes children only want to eat junk food, snacks, and treats. That is all they have an appetite for. Come to think of it, that sounds pretty good to me if I wouldn't blow up like a balloon and my cholesterol goes sky high. But we all know that caring parents demand that their children eat things that are good for them. 
because we know that doing such is necessary to their well-being. Unfortunately, the majority of people today have no appetite for the pure word of God. They want junk food spiritually, snacks and treats. Isn't that what Paul was describing in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4, when he wrote, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. I had one preacher tell me, We don't get into doctrinal matters here. How can that be? In light of such passages as 2 John 9, which tells us, Whosoever transgresses and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he has both the Father and the Son. If a person doesn't get into doctrinal matters, he doesn't get into Christ. Within five miles of the church building where I am an elder, I can think of at least three interdenominational large churches. Just one time, let the preacher tell his congregation to do what Ananias was sent by the Lord to tell Paul to do to be saved, as we read in Acts chapter 22, verse 16, and he or she will see the results of the spiritual famine rampant in the land today, brought about by weak, compromised, give the people what they want, downright false preaching and teaching that has been done in our generation. To begin to put a dent in the spiritual famine that plagues our land, the word must be presented by you and me, without addition or subtraction, come what may. It must be preached in season and out of season, which means when folks want to hear it and when they don't. There must be reproving, rebuking, and exhorting with all long-suffering and doctrine. How can we possibly be pleasing to God if we take the we-don't-want-to-get-into-doctrine-much-here approach when Paul said that exhorting with doctrine is part of preaching the word? Souls are starving for the truth. Statistically, the mainline denominations are slowly dying and the anything-goes churches are losing the children of the original attendees at an alarming rate. People need the truth, and if we don't tell them, who will? Again, we say there is a spiritual famine in our land. We need to use the food that is supplied through the Word of God. Something to think about. Thanks for listening.